1: All right, everybody. Hey, welcome back. It's Jason. I'm a guy in long-term recovery, and I'm here with Billy. Hi, this is Billy. I'm also a person in uh, long-term recovery. And we're here to talk about recovery, sort of, uh, as always. So uh, where we're going to start this week... I. My daughters are are taking a life skills class just for reference they're they're fourteen years old they're in eighth grade uh they're twins and so if you wonder why I say daughters and not daughter uh so we're in the car the other day and we're driving to their basketball practice and they're telling me about this life skills class they're taking and my daughter's describing it and, you know, the things they're being taught and this Narcan idea. And I, you know, I shared with them, like I have Narcan on me, right? Like it's something I carry around. They're like, really? They're shocked by this. I'm like, yeah. They're like, why? And I'm like, because if I run into a situation where I need it, right? I don't know. I mean, I I don't know that I'm going to encounter that in my life, but I might, who knows? And why not have it? Uh, So they're, they're going on about more of the stuff they're getting taught. And then my daughter says, yeah. And, we we heard about these Narcan parties they're having. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, the people are getting a lot of Narcan together. Uh, and if you're not familiar with this, so Narcan is, uh, <clears throat> it's a drug that if you have overdosed on an opioid, Narcan is a drug that you can administer that hopefully will kind of kick the, uh, the, the little dealies out of the receptor sites in your brain and revive you to some extent, right? It like reverses the effect of what the opioid is doing. Um, And so it can, it has saved a lot of lives. It has brought a lot of people back who are in the process of overdose. um, And you can read all about it online. But what my daughters were saying was they're being taught that there's these ideas of Narcan parties. And so what happens is a lot of addicts I don't know, five, 10 addicts uh, that are in the neighborhood. They all get together in a basement and they get all these different uh, heroin and, and fentanyls from all around the neighborhood, right? Like they've pulled together all this money to throw this large party uh, of all these mix of heroines and fentanyls. And then what they do is they're, they're going to have a, a party and they're going to overdose on purpose, right? And, and, so, and then they're going to bring each other back. And this is the whole concept of a Narcan party is that all these individuals are going to take all these different heroines and fentanyls in some overdosing uh, way. And then they're all going to administer Narcan on each other and continually bring each other back. Uh, and I, I just, the whole concept of this is so absurd to me. I, I had heard somebody describe it to me before that they believed that this was going on. And I was just like, who came up with this ridiculous propaganda to hate on addicts, basically to shame addicts, right? Like we should never have Narcan because if we're giving them this, they're definitely going to have these Narcan parties. Right. And I I just can't get over the fact that we're like teaching this information to people in schools.
0: Yeah. And the absurdity of, of some of that. I mean, if you just think through that idea, a little bit, you right. realize how stupid it sounds. I mean, <laughs> most people that are, you know, heroin addicts, especially hardcore heroin addicts that are trying to push themselves to the point of overdose, which I don't think most addicts are ever trying to push themselves to the point of overdose. That's never the goal.
1: You know, <laughs> <Just real close. laughs> like, Yeah.
0: You want to be high, but you're not trying to kill yourself most right. of the time, or at least not consciously anyway. Um, you know, the, the amount of money that you would just have basically wasted <laughs> right. by going out, securing heroin, you know, and, and spending your money on it to then get high. When you take this, uh, the actual drug is called naloxone. Narcan is the brand name, yeah. but, you know, naloxone is the actual drug. When you take that, it's actually an opiate blocker and it goes into the... uh receptors in your brain and blocks the effects of heroin and immediately brings you out of a high. So you immediately lose your high. So why on earth? It's like saying, yeah, I went out and drank five beers. And as soon as I started to feel loose, um, I threw up 10 times or whatever I needed to do to not feel that way anymore. It's like, why would you waste money on that Not only that, but you're talking about hardcore heroin addicts who, you know, don't typically have this unlimited money resources, you know, to be wasting money on heroin to then... Narcan themselves out of. Like, it's just a
1: stupid idea all the way around. Rarely did I ever have the money to buy the heroin at one spot, much less like right, four yeah. or five different places. Right. That's incredible. To be I,
0: able to buy it and get high right. and then bring myself out of a high to then spend more money to get high right after that.
1: Like, I'm almost jealous. I kind of want to go find <laughs> right. these addicts that are having Narcan parties and say, How are you doing it? Right? Maybe you're doing it successfully. Like, I need to go back and do it the right way. Right. And what's
0: hilarious is I had first heard this from um, someone I know who's a business professional in the community. And I'm sure he heard this somewhere. I don't think he originated the idea. I'm sure it got, you know, propagated somewhere, you know, within the community. But this is a person that's involved with the Republican Party of this county and is involved with, you know, uh, local businesses, is involved with local elections that is, you know, connected with political people in this county. And if those are the, and this, you know, Jason's daughters go to Cecil County public schools. And so if these ideas are being propagated within our community, within the, you know, political system, um, it should be a note of just how out of touch any of these people are with actual addiction or the actual problems that are going on within the addict community. I mean, it's very sad, you know, like say it's a, it's a completely stupid idea that if you think through it for half a minute, if you put any kind of effort into that, the idea of that, it's just absurd.
1: Now, am I wrong here? Doesn't, uh, doesn't Narcan also have the possibility you said it brings you immediately out of the overdose. Can it also make like send you into the withdrawal? Like if you use it, I thought there was something about that where you could start to feel kind of sick. Hmm, I'm not
0: sure about that. Okay, um, so let's not say that we know that for sure. Yeah, I don't know that for sure. I thought that I mean, was a it, thing. It could be. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't heard that part. But there's there's a couple different, um, you know, propaganda. I'll say ideas floating around out there. There's you know the thing of this Narcan resistant fentanyl. Um, right. We've heard about that. You know, I that's not a thing either. You know, there there's no uh, drug that's Narcan resistant. Yeah, now Uh, that we've
1: used it a few times, it's it's grown uh, you know accustomed to it, and it knows how to be stronger than than Narcan. Yeah,
0: Um, there's also some misinformation out about being able to uh, get like a contact high from people that are on uh fentanyl or heroin <laughs> that if you touch them yeah and this has been a i mean and where this comes in is for uh medical people or first responders emergency responders right. and that information is being circulated within those communities oh yeah and Golf there's Sabre. been right yeah so that when you go out to a call i mean and you can't blame like a first responder like in this community most of them are volunteers they are not mm-hmm. paid you know uh, people willing to take this risk. Like these are volunteers, your local neighbor that's volunteered to try to help do something good for the community. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I'm down on them at all. These are admirable people that are going out and doing thankless work on a volunteer basis. That is incredibly, uh, kind and generous on their parts. But if they hear these rumors or get fed this misinformation, um, of course, they're scared to death. You know, they go out to a guy and he's overdosing on the ground and all of a sudden they don't want to fucking touch him because they think they might get high off fentanyl. Right. You know, and that's just there's no evidence to that. The stories that this has happened have all been very uh, sort of what do you call it, anecdotal? Like there's yeah. no scientific research. In fact, there, the scientific research proves that it's not even possible that you don't emit the fentanyl through your skin like that, even in extreme uses, in extreme overdose cases, you're never emitting fentanyl through your skin. It doesn't break that blood barrier to leave your bloodstream and then come out through your pores. That just, that isn't scientifically factual.
1: (laughs) Right, right. So uh, when they were in the class, I believe they were told that a police officer heard about this from the using addicts in the neighborhood like that's how this propaganda was given to them this time That was where the narcan party was going on the police officer found out about it but like just in a worrisome way um every basically every 14 year old in cecil county just got this message right, right. this is the the story mm-hmm. being taught and then we wonder about all the old wives tales from, you know, years past that our parents might have told us that just aren't true and have no scientific basis, but they didn't have the resources then and the internet to spread the word. And so I kind of believe that we were going to move past all these old wives tales. Now that we have all this wonderful science and (laughs) the ability to access it at any moment with the little, you know, the little rectangle in our pocket that talks to space, right? Like it shouldn't be misinformation being spread like this. And yet here we are because people want to have a judgment of people maybe. Um, mm. and that's what I found out. So when I looked this up, I was like, you know what? I have an opinion on this. I think it's ridiculous, but let me actually do a search. <laughs> right. And I didn't do a super thorough search, but I did look, there was an article that was in the newspaper. And the second article was an actual research paper written about this. Um, and it referred to him as Lazarus parties instead of Narcan and Lazarus, of course, being the, the guy in the Bible that came back from the dead. Um, mm. And so what they talked about wasn't so much, is this factual or not? Because they pretty much dispelled that as a ridiculous idea to begin with. They talked more about the role that these kind of stories and propaganda serve in in a public environment, right? And and we make up these folk tales and these, uh, you know, weird little stories because we do want to, you know, put a judgment on a certain type of people. We want... We want first responders to think twice before they touch somebody who's in an overdose before they help them, right? Oh, think twice about that. You might not want to get too close. It might hurt you too, right? right. Oh, well, if we're going to supply all this Narcan, they're just going to use it for the wrong thing. We should stop wasting our tax dollars on these people who don't love themselves and, and are killing themselves. Just let them die, right? That's where all this comes from. This all comes from a judgment of addicts. And that's sad.
0: Yeah, there's a a lot of that that happens. I mean, when you really if anyone took the time to really dig into a lot of the harm reduction techniques that are coming out now and becoming a little more well-known and a little more popular um, and looked at the research on, like, say, the scientific evidence on how one. Uh, the war on drugs over the last 20 years and our efforts to arrest and lock off our way out of this problem. You can look into that all on its own and realize what an abysmal failure that's been. And that this, you know, the, the moral belittling and, and, you know, degrading of addicts has not done anything but perpetuate a problem. Um, one of the things you talked about was this misinformation coming out Um, from like schools or public authorities and I wish they would think through sometimes the effects of that later because Mm. as you talked about in the 80s like we had the you know this is your brain on drugs and this is what happens you know if you smoke weed you're going to go out and start murdering people and raping people Mm. in the streets you know as a teenager growing up at that time that was never my experience. Right. You know what I mean? I smoked weed a couple of times. It was kind of fun. I felt a little goofy. We got the munchies and it was a, <laughs> you know, it was like, right. it wasn't this. All of a sudden I was, you know, stabbing my neighbors and, you know, robbing from the local store. Like that just wasn't the experience. And it wasn't the experience. Not only was it not my experience, it wasn't the experience of anyone that I knew at 15 and 16 year old that was smoking weed. Like right. it just was bullshit. So what happens is you learn to just discredit everything that they're saying. And that local authority who you would typically look at as someone who is going to provide you with good information becomes a bunch of bullshit that you don't, that has no credibility with you as a young adult anymore, you know? And they're like, Oh, they're just, they're going to tell you whatever bullshit they want to get you to think the way they want you to think. And you know, it it actually serves a disservice to the people that they serve to perpetuate This sort of propaganda, uh, scare tactic, you know, BS. I mean, it's like honest communication, as you said, especially nowadays when the research is out there. You can take 10 minutes and research any of this on your own. Kids are doing that all the time. You know, they're in reddit groups or they're in whatever discord groups and chatting with each other and talking about their shared experiences and soon as 10 or 15 of them get together and go well we've never seen that we've never even heard of that like that's some made-up bullshit right all your credibility with the rest of the things that you've told them about addiction go out the window because you're full of shit
1: right the parts that might be true and helpful you're no longer believing in. right
0: and so You know, and if you dug into some of the harm reduction techniques, um, myself included, like in the beginning, I'm like, are we enabling people? Like, are we just helping people use? Are we just helping people get high? You know, I don't know if these are really good things. You know, for myself personally, it was the consequences of my using that spurred me to seek recovery. Um, So there are some of those issues that are a bit of a gray area. Um, that should be discussed. I'm not going to lie. They need to be talked about, but the results of harm reduction techniques versus the results of trying to arrest our way out of the problem are there. These programs, you know, when I talk about harm reduction, I'm specifically talking about, um, decriminalization is one, uh, uh, legalized injection sites or safe use sites, um, needle exchange programs, um, all these things, when you look at the evidence and where these things have been put in place, have been proven to have good results, better results than what we've been doing in the past. Yes. Um, but we'll ignore the scientific evidence because of our moral beliefs that we're enabling addiction and that we're you know by making drugs or you know making it easier for them to get high that that somehow perpetuates the problem and encourages use and all the evidence all the scientifically based evidence would show you that that is not true that in areas where they've had these you know insight up in uh canada vancouver canada's one there's a couple that they've done over in uh um England. There's, I can't remember the city might be in London. Um, also in Portugal, they've done decriminalization. Like there's a couple different places where there's evidence of these programs being in practice and they do serve to reduce crime rates. One of the big things that people care about, even if you don't like addiction, they do serve to reduce crime rates, connect people with recovery resources. You see a decrease in, uh, you know, young, young folks getting into addiction when you're providing resources and education that's practical.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I would agree with you. I, you know, the research on that is very clear. It's out there. It's not up in the air for debate anymore. Honestly, I think, uh, you're right. We act a lot of times on a, a moral code system that honestly, we're probably not living in, in some other area of our life, but we <laughs> want to enforce it uh, on this one. Cause that's, I guess, the more important place, or or we react to a gut feeling about certain things instead of following the, the, the scientific thoughts about it. Um, so even the scientific point points that way, right? Their, their proof is showing that this is the better way to go. And I would say even my own experience, even though I, I'm with you, I kind of had some questions about it at first. And maybe there's some gray area around this. Like my experience, I think when I look at it really proves that this is probably the way to go too. So I remember coming in and I had all these consequences and I said, oh, that must be what it takes to get to the point of being done, right? This this bottom that I hit must be what it takes. But then after I'd been around and heard enough people's stories, I heard that different people had different bottoms, right? Some people came in and found the same recovery I did who still had their jobs and still made really good money and, and weren't in you know, about to go broke or homeless or any of that, like they had just completely different bottoms that were spiritual in nature or or some other method of, you know, hitting a bottom that was annoying enough that they wanted to do something about it. Um, and so I would say that just in that experience and looking at it, knowing that everybody does it differently. And I've watched people on methadone hit some sort of bottom while they continued to use it. I've watched people on Suboxone hit a bottom where they've continued to use it and choose a different path of complete abstinence. So I I don't think that they're not getting some kind of consequence to lead them to wherever it is they need to be, right? I don't, even though in my brain it says they're avoiding consequences by using them, maybe I would have been avoiding consequences using those substances, but people are still finding that using them, hey, I'm staying alive for today, but I'm still finding reasons in the long run that I don't want to be on this for the rest of my life.
0: Right. And even for myself, I mean, when I got, you know, when I found recovery this time, like methadone was always available. I knew of it about methadone programs. I knew what they were. Um, it wasn't like, you know, I didn't choose that path because it wasn't available to me. No, it was there. I chose a different path because it just fell more in line with what my goals and what my morals were at the time. Right. Um, I think sometimes when we talk about addiction and entering in this path of recovery, um, and don't get me wrong. I get as defensive about this word recovery and what that means. And that can be a whole conversation. Um, there are some applications of it that I find offensive, but whatever. But when we talk about recovery for individuals, we have to look at what are the goals. And if your goal is to say that anyone that has a drug problem should be abstinent, um, you're just setting yourself up for failure. You know, you're setting yourself up for just utopia. That's never going to exist. And if you go out to say, you know, some, you know, young lady who's out there prostituting on the street or some guy who's, you know, sleeping in the, the local storage unit down at the end of the block, um, To say to that guy, hey, if you just stop using drugs tomorrow and start going to some 12 step meetings, your life is going to be great and you're going to be living in a house and you're going to have a job and you're going to have all these things like that. Jump is so monumental, you know, in their head. It's like, wait a minute, you know, just stop and doing drugs. No offense, but usually they have way more problems than that, whether it's legal, financial, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a a myriad of issues that lead people to hit that bottom. Not to mention that years of drug abuse have severe effects on your mental capabilities. You Right. And there's
1: there's two glaring problems with the the theory you just, uh, you know, laid out that people have. (laughs) One is that they not only say that abstinence is the only way, but now, Right. It's right. not like uh yeah, hey, let's work towards abstinence two years from now. Right or three some, years from now. Some right. MATs, you know, some medically assisted treatment to get there. Right. It's abstinence the only answer, and it's the answer now, right? Right, right this minute. It. Right. <laughs> right. Uh so that's the one problem, right? There's no method of getting there if you are in a space where you need some more help to kind of get to that process. The other problem with that idea is what in these people's lives who have this judgment that, that complete abstinence is the only answer now, what are they not living? Like, what are they participating in? That's probably not healthy for their life that they're well aware of. And they just have no ability to stop. Right. Is it overeating? Is it eating fast food too many days a week? Like, what are they killing themselves with? Is it eating too much sugar? Like there's always something going on that people are doing that we wish we could change. In my experience, I have never lived a, a point in my life where I'm like, man, I don't need to change anything. I'm living perfectly healthy, right? Uh, I'm not uh, I'm not smoking, so I'm not removing years of my life. Like th- There's always something to work on. And so I'm like, okay, if these people really believe that you can just stop at any point in time, then why the fuck aren't they stopping whatever it is they're doing that's leading them to die sooner?
0: Yeah, and not only that, I mean, what worked for them doesn't necessarily work for someone else. I mean, I can tell you myself, like diet wise, like I don't eat all that great. I'll have times where I do better than others, but you know, I have historically, I'll eat a bowl of cereal right before bed or a bowl of ice cream or chocolate or whatever. And just genetics, I have a really high metabolism You know, I burn it off. I don't store fat like a different person. So it's not fair of me to say to someone, well, if you eat what I eat, you would be thin. Like I'm a fairly thin guy. I'm six foot tall and like 160 pounds, pretty thin, pretty lean. Um, And I don't necessarily, it's not because I'm some, you know, regimented eater or that I have all this willpower that, you know, no, I eat like shit. I eat terribly, but I just don't put on weight because of my genetics. So in that vein, if I said to someone, oh, if you just eat exactly like me, you'll be my same build and weight. That's just not true. And it's the same for someone's mental health or someone's addiction problem. Like whether you do what I do or not doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get what I got from it or even gain the same benefits intellectually or spiritually that i got from right it. um i think what we need to do is help people set more realistic goals i mean if you said to someone yeah my goal is to run a marathon and they've never ran you know a day in their life you wouldn't tell them okay well then go out tomorrow and start running you know 26 miles <laughs> and see how you do
1: Right. Like and that would be terrible if advice. If you
0: get then the next day you can
1: do the point two.
0: <laughs> right. It would be completely discouraging. It would be completely, you know, you would feel just hopeless. It would feel like a hopeless accomplishment. You right. would say, no, let's get out there. All right. Let's get out there and start running, see where you can run. And maybe if we can meet people at that place of saying, okay, what's, what condition are you in now? Are you homeless shooting up with dirty needles, you know, running the risk of, Whatever health ailments, hepatitis, or whatever you know, AIDS or whatever other, how can we get you at least to a place where death isn't looking you in the face every single day, every moment? <laughs> like, let's get you to some kind of stable spot. Maybe that's with, you know, counseling along with, uh, you know, medicated assisted treatment. Maybe right. that's an inpatient facility. Maybe that's an inpatient mental health facility. I mean, you. You try to address each person and meet them where they're at and give them like what I would consider a realistic goal that keeps them encouraged and hopeful. And it doesn't mean that, you know, abstinence can't be the end goal five years from now, but maybe that's never their fucking goal and that's okay for them. Right. You know, maybe it's okay that they say, I don't really want to be abstinent. Okay. Okay. Well, how do we keep you from you know dying, killing yourselves, resorting to criminal activity? Because those are the things that make our communities unsafe.
1: Right. We want everybody to be abstinent, but we are okay with people who you know socially drink and still raise their children and participate in life. Why can't we have people who are on you know MATs for the rest of their life that do the same? Yeah. I. Uh, it's funny you said marathon. So I know a, I know a lady that. Uh, And I'm going to say this wrong and she's going (laughs) to fucking correct me. I know she is. Uh, Ultra marathons or something. She runs like 100 miles. Yeah, that's an ultra marathon. One time. And I'm like, holy fuck. Right. And so she'll tell me about how she's out training. And she's like, oh, yeah, I ran like 15 miles before I came, you know, today. And I'm like, I would die. Right. Right. And every time she's like, no, you wouldn't because that's not where you start. Right. And it's the same idea. Right. Like you don't start at 15 miles, you start at a mile maybe, or half a mile or whatever it is, and you build up to it. Um, I, I like the idea of including the person that needs help in the planning of what they want their treatment to be, right? That is a big thing in the mental health community, uh, at least in the type of therapy that I do and I'm familiar with. Like, we always include, like, what is it you're here for? maybe, I see a whole lot of stuff in some of my clients where they need to like, oh my God, you need to do it way past that, right? <laughs> but if that's not what you want, we're never right. going to get there. If we're never like, going to do what it. What is it you are trying to get, right? I just want to help you get there. Once we get there, maybe you want something more. I don't know. But like right now, like what do you really want and are willing to work towards?
0: Right. And even as a using addict, like I didn't, like morally and probably intellectually, I knew that I needed to stop using drugs. I mean, I I didn't necessarily think drugs were ever like good for me or that they were helping my life in any way. Like I could see the obvious uh, problems they were causing for me, but I didn't think that I could stop. Like I didn't believe that there was a way out or that that would ever get better or ever change. And it wasn't until... um that change and that hope became my goal that i bought into the idea because like say i got locked up my first time at 17 they were like hey man you have a drug problem you know sent me to rehab it was obvious like it was and i knew that you know i should stop but until i bought into the idea that i needed to stop until i made the decision which is part of when we talk about step work like that's part of that first three steps is understanding like look I need to make this decision that this is what I need to do. Um, You can go and tell people that's what they need to do till you're fucking blue in the face. And it is just, I don't know about you. I don't know. That has never worked for me or in my trying to do that for other people.
1: Yeah. What what does it say? Uh, I think in one of our fancy books, uh, for the first time in a long time, we made a decision. We made it. It yeah. wasn't made for us by the judges, the institutions, the lawyers, the parents, like it was a decision we had to make. And, right. and this abstinence
0: based recovery, you can lead people towards that, you know, you can you can talk with them about right. that. But if they're not buying in, then they're not gonna do it. And if your attitude is, well, it's abstinence or nothing, then you're just as bad as the fucking cops or the other people that say, let the addicts die in the streets. We want nothing to do with them. If I you're agree. an abstinence-based person that doesn't have compassion for suffering addicts enough to try to help them to stop dying, you're the same thing, just with a different hat.
1: Mm. On that note, let's take a break for our uh, Voices ad, and I think we're going to come back with uh, a little more propaganda, maybe centered around alcohol, which is an interesting topic. Be right back. Alright, here we are, we're back uh, We want to talk a little bit more about this propaganda idea um, Moving away from the the Narcan party Before we get into it though, I did mean to mention If anybody's still listening, I probably should have said this earlier uh, We broke down, we're on Instagram now It's, uh, I don't know how to Instagram backslash recovery sort of With some underscores in there somewhere I'm sure if you look for us, you can probably find us or if you go on Anchor uh, to listen to the podcast, I think there's a link on there from there. So we are on there now. Uh, we would love to interact with everybody, so that's great. Uh, what else did we do? Oh, we kind of came up with a concept for cover art, um, and now we just need to find somebody that draws really well or does computer drawing, uh, one of the two. The incredible thing is we both have wives with some artistic (laughs) talent and cannot convince either of them to do this for us. And I'm like, God, what's wrong with my wife? Like, help me.
0: Yeah, and I'd also like to say if you're artistic or you have an artistic idea or you're creative and you think, wow, I think the podcast, you know, this represents the podcast well, we're open to artwork, ideas, or anything anyone wants to submit to take a look at.
1: Billy's open to ideas. I think now that I have one, I'm pretty set on it. Oh, okay. I like it. <laughs> I'm Sorry, Jason's it. got an idea I need to draw. <laughs> I just need to draw it drawn up, damn it. Um, but no, so anyway, we are on Instagram, and and we are working towards the cover art as soon as we get uh, an artist to do that kind of thing. Uh, so back to the the topic at hand now. Uh, oh, oh, and one other thing. So we're on YouTube, and we've kind of had this debate about whether we're going to hmm. put speaker shares on our podcast or not, and we still can't really entirely figure that out. But I did throw up. I came across the old uh, share of mine, and I, I I don't even know when it's from, Billy. I don't know if it's from like 2013, <laughs> 2011. Like it's it's ancient, and I didn't listen to it. I was like, fuck it. I'm just putting it up. So if you're curious about, you know, what kind of nonsense I was talking years back which I'm sure is probably very similar to the nonsense I talk now, but slightly different. Uh, You can go on our YouTube and and find that and listen to it. And I'm sure that's interesting. And you can, you know, email us and tell me how fucked up my thoughts were back then, too. Um, So back to the topic at hand, back to this conversation where this all started. I'm driving my daughters to basketball practice. They're telling me about this life skills class where they're learning about, you know, drug addiction and alcoholism, apparently, at least at first. I don't know if that's the whole class or not. And so they learn about the Narcan party. I, I tell them how ridiculous that is. And then they continue to tell me about this life skills class, which I got to say, I'm happy they were talking to me about it. It's pretty neat that they wanted to talk to their father about something. Maybe they just thought I could identify. They do know my history, right? Um, and so my daughter's just kind of musing about the whole idea of drugs, and hopefully she'll never use them, and that's her goal and all this. And, and then she mentions alcohol, and she's like, I know it's kind of a drug, but I just feel different about it. Right. And that statement hurt me so much. (laughs) That little statement of I just feel a little different about it, because in that moment, I realized that like what we like to refer to as big alcohol or whatever, the alcohol industry and the billions of dollars they have spent to convey this idea that alcohol is a little different. Right. has, Has worked. It's fucking worked. And it's been my 14 year old daughters already have that idea from the world. The propaganda that alcohol is somehow different, even though it's one of the worst poisons you can put in your body. And and it's just I think it's a very worldwide sentiment, at least United States wide, that alcohol is slightly different than these other drugs. And I don't fucking know why, because it's not.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing that we put, you know, these um, they're all drugs into different categories on our moral judgments on you know whether they're quote-unquote good or bad or okay or not okay um people definitely i mean at least in my experience seem to be more understanding or empathetic to someone who identifies as an alcoholic or says that they had a drinking problem um that seems to be far less stigmatizing than saying you were an addict or a person that struggled with you know, a heroin addiction or another, you know, specific addiction. Right. Um, and it doesn't, you know, I, and it's all just pictures we create in our mind. It's like that stigma of what we picture when someone identifies as a heroin addict or what we picture when someone identifies as an alcoholic. Right. And it's crazy how they really can be the same thing you know yeah. they can they can look very very similar absolutely um and the definitely the consequences and the damage done by either one of those addiction problems are can be identical within families what it does to children, what it does to loved ones, what it does to you know death
1: yeah so if you look on Twitter or Instagram right this is something I found that I found a little bit interesting The immediate thing if you look at people and what they call themselves or refer to themselves at, in recovery, uh, if you look at hashtag sober, there is a fuck ton of people, right? And if you look at hashtag clean, you're going to find people that make soap in their basement. Um, and that's <laughs> maybe a little problem partly because of the words. But I will say that even going further than that, I've looked into the different expressions, right? If you look at the expressions for uh, that, that people use in AA... You're going to see stuff like One Day at a Time or, or you know, as it's shortened, just the acronyms of ODAT. Um, that's way more used than, than like the Just for Today or JFT. Uh, even though the One Day at a Time also is apparently like a Mexican sitcom or something like that. Uh, you know, there's still plenty like that's way more used. And it seemed like AA sayings are way more. People are way more able to express them openly in the social network, I guess, is what I'm getting at, which makes sense of what we're talking about. It's more socially acceptable to have had alcohol. And it's, it's just bothersome that my 14 year old daughters have already caught on to this, right? Even the, even the safety uh, response from the alcohol industry uh, of, you know, how to be safe with your alcohol use tells you to drink. Yeah, It's drink responsibly, right? Not, Hey, uh, if you're not feeling like drinking or you're out somewhere where you can't drive, maybe don't drink. Drink responsibly. But definitely drink, right? That's yeah, the right. first word. Drinking's fine. Right. Just do um, it responsibly.
0: And it and it is a weird concept to think. You know, I, I have to push myself sometimes to actually get on board with this because it is a little bit weird to think. Like, I mean, I will say my personal experience is I haven't really known too many what I would call social heroin users. You know, right. most of the people that I know that use heroin were addicts. Right. Now. They were also, they could be easily identified as alcoholics and whatever other names we have for these different addictions, um, because we were living a lifestyle that was just to get as obliviated as possible, as often as possible. So we abused all sorts of drugs, which is kind of common. Um, but to say that, you know, I knew people that were social heroin users is, not really, for me, not been my experience, but I guess I'm told they do exist, that they are out there and that there are people that can, you know, go out and party on the weekends and maybe, you know, do some heroin and not totally wreck their lives.
1: I don't Um, know about heroin, but I've definitely heard of that concept with like cocaine. Right. And I, that's nothing in my story. Like I'm not socially (laughs) using any of that shit, but I, I guess people do possibly. And it's weird to think of like, if you had a bar- for cocaine or heroin, that would be a right. very strange concept, <laughs> yeah. right? Like people hit it after work for a couple hours and then go home or...
0: Yeah. And even within the, uh like the harm reduction community, you know, there's different discussions on whether uh, you want to go as far as legalization of all drugs. So mm-hmm. there's two different concepts. One is decriminalization, which right. is you just don't lock people up for possessing heroin or cocaine or whatever drug that they have. It's not against the law. If you have... You know, a personal use amount, and you're getting high with yourself, you know, somewhere. You don't lock people up for that. Um, You don't arrest them for that. That's not a crime. Versus actually legalization, which is where you make these drugs available similar to alcohol and the other ones. That is a debate within the uh, harm reduction community on how far to go with that. Yeah, Let me get a um, pack
1: of Newports and some dopeies.
0: Right. And me personally, I'm for the legalization yeah. part, I think, for a couple reasons. Not because I think it's great, um, but I don't think that we have the right to moralize with people what decisions they should be making. And if we're going to have alcohol or tobacco legal To me personally, there isn't a lot of difference between all the rest of them. Like if, you know, if you can use heroin responsibly and you can get it from a reputable store that, you know, you're not getting, you know, stomped on fentanyl laced drugs that are yeah. you know dangerous and harmful or at least you know what the levels are when you buy them right. you know it's got it's, FDA, right it's got an FDA and- regulation on it like i'm all for that but i get that that's pretty extreme tells you the nutrition label um, maybe there's some sugar in it but i also label myself as less government is better we don't necessarily
1: need the government to tell us what we right. need to do for ourselves um I'm one step further. I think we should actually fucking provide it for people for free. I don't even think they should have to buy it in the store. Like not only legalize it, just give it to them for free if that's what they want.
0: Yeah. And that's actually been a concept that's been tried over in some European places and up in Canada. They've actually had, and it was done here in the United States, actually, back in the seventies in California, they had some clinics where people could go in the morning, they would inject you with heroin, you know, whatever. Um, I can't remember the differences between the different programs, but in one of these programs, you could go there as often as you wanted, as much as you wanted, you know, oh, and they would legally inject you with a medical grade heroin and it was safe. And they found that, you know, people were able to be productive then they could, you know, they didn't have to worry about the drug seeking behavior and all the criminalization that goes along with it that they could then you know, get high and go to their job or get high and go do what they needed to do and that they were way more functioning and you know that it was a, a good program. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't of course, be the functioning at all. Government <laughs> stepped in and put a kibosh on that.
1: Right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that about ended.
0: But these things did exist. They have been, you know, enacted at times and there is evidence behind them, you know, there's statistical evidence behind, you know, how they work, what the results were. Um, And it's, it, it is always surprising when you look at the evidence that it's not what your gut tells you that it should be.
1: Just to be clear, I don't anticipate if we give drugs away for free, any drug to anyone who wants it for free, and they can use it as much as they want in this safe use site and stay alive. I don't anticipate any of them being productive, right? That is not what I'm thinking. (laughs) I'm just thinking they're not robbing people. They're not stealing from the store. They're not driving up consumer prices and people's misery and jail prices and all these other things. That's my goal. Like to, it's the harm reduction option, right? Right. Let's not continue to cause all these extra costs we have in our our lifetime. I'm not anticipating they're going to work and like, you know, Mm -hmm. providing a service to the community whatsoever.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it is hard to get the, whatever I'll call it, moralism, pure puritanistic values out of all of this. I mean, we, you know, in this country take like, say the the medical field, like we don't, uh, overly moralize and chastise people who are heavily obese or overweight and that eat excessively to the point of heart conditions and heart ailments. Right. We provide them every possible medical option available, Yes, you know, Absolutely. to sustain and improve their life. And we keep giving them the information on healthy diet and exercise and all that stuff. And some of them take it and some of them Abide by it and get better, and others of them don't, and they're back in and out of the hospital, they continue to struggle with their health issues. And we don't, as a society, ever seem to go, ah, fuck them. They made bad choices with their life. They don't get to, right. you know, we're not treating you anymore. Just go die in the street.
1: They're all go having Big Mac eating parties. <laughs> <Right. fuckers>. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> They're having McDonald binge parties, right. you know. And in, it's just crazy that we moralize addiction in this way, you know. And I don't know. The, the more I study about it and the more open-minded I try to be about it, um the
1: the more shocking it is that this has been our approach and with all the okay so look we're going to decide that one drug needs to be legal right that's our goal uh, and i hate that idea but if that's what we're going to do i can tell you right now from my uh little bit of studies and and learning on the subject alcohol's not the safe one i'm choosing as the one we make legal right it's not the one that's best for us it it promotes like violence it promotes a culture of uh you know, possibly a culture of, of sexual assault. Like it promotes a whole lot of ideas that aren't good for people. People are dying in car accidents because they're driving unsafe and risky behavior, like promiscuity. That's, that's not safe and and chosen. It's very not the drug I'm going to choose. If I get to pick one, all the internal uh, damage to your bodily organs. uh, I do think Not that I I think any of these is a great idea, but but marijuana is probably the safer option of all of them. Uh, If we're going to have one legal one in the United States, maybe we could have, you know, marijuana bars and people can frustrate everybody by driving 15 miles an hour on the highway and, uh, you know, sitting sitting at stop signs, waiting for them to turn green. Like, (laughs) I think that's the better way to go. I just, when my daughter said that out of her mouth, man, the thing that really came to mind was, fuck, they won. Yeah. Right. All that money won. Yeah. They've they've sold the idea and we've bought it hook, line and sinker.
0: Yeah. And I mean, when you look at the statistics on alcoholism and alcohol related deaths, they call it alcohol use disorder now, um, You know, one statistic I was looking at here from 2018, uh, this came from the Journal of American Medicine. Uh, 14.4 million adults, 18 or over, plus another 400,000 adolescents between 12 and 17, suffered from alcohol use disorder in 2017. So, I'm sorry, 2018. So that's, you know, almost 15 million people suffer from abuse this isn't just use this is right. abuse and yet you know that's fine alcohol is great it's perfectly legal and safe um i also know deaths wise
1: uh well just to note that's who sought treatment right, right. Like that's that's the people that got caught or, or hit a bottom like that's not everybody right that's yeah that's not there's even still, counting there's all still your dad out there talking about i go to work every day not your dad in particular but somebody's dad you know i go to work every day i'm not an alcoholic. Yeah, and uh, you know, annually, uh,
0: on average, eighty-eight thousand people per year die from alcohol-related incidents. Some of those, you know, obviously accidents and things. But it's also some from alcohol poisoning. Um, basically, alcohol is the third leading cause of death. Uh, the first is tobacco, and the second is poor diet and physical activity.
1: Right. So that.
0: you know, yet we, uh, you know, moralize addiction as being this terrible thing you know, if you're an opioid addict, but you can be an alcohol addict and it's perfectly okay and acceptable and legal because, yeah, right. Or, or addicted to tobacco and, you know, those things are fine, but yet we look at drug addiction as something different and historically, I mean, and it's not a historical thing. If you look historically back through time, you know, different cultures have been using uh, psychedelics and, you know, Mm. different uh, drugs for medicinal or spiritual practices. I mean, drugs have been around a right. long, long, long time, and we haven't had these historical levels of, you know, drugs of abuse and and uh, deaths and those things until fairly recently. Right. Um, I think a lot of this gets back to the point of what do you think addiction really is? And we need to stop blaming the substance. You know, it's not the substance's fault. And I mean that for alcohol too. Like say alcohol isn't the problem. You know, heroin isn't the problem. Marijuana isn't the problem. The problem is the person and their usage of it. And then looking at some of the causes and reasons, why do these people use it that way? And is there something we can do to help them stop using it that way? yeah um and, well, it's,
1: and it's, oh go ahead
0: uh and you know to just moralize at them at and and lecture him and tell him how wrong they are is not working like if even if you believe it's the right thing to do when do you just go hey this you know whether i believe it's the right thing to do or not it isn't working
1: right right when do you acknowledge <laughs> failure that instead of blindly moving forward right uh and i think what you're talking about comes a lot into play of culture right um we look at gun violence, right? There's guns all over the world, but they're not having the mass shootings we have here, right? right. Why is that? It's got to be the culture that we, we, we put out there. And, and I think part of it is this puritanistic view. And I, look, I'm not against having morals, right? I, I believe in having some morals, but the country was kind of founded upon the idea that we don't want other people to tell us what our morals should be. We don't want other people to tell us what fucking church we should go to and what religion we should have, right? We don't want other people to tell us exactly what morals we should have. And yet, ever since we got here, we've been telling everybody what fucking morals they should have and then feeling like shit when we don't live up to them. I think that's the problem, right? We all like have this self-hatred because we're shamed about not being able to live up to these morals that we're not even sure we believe in. And so we have these mass shootings and gun violence, we have this overuse of, of drugs. And, and again, here I am, I've bought into it too. The alcohol <laughs> companies got me right. drugs and alcohol, right. Alcohol's Alcohol a fucking drug, right? right. Why do I got to separate them? But I do every time. Um, if it's killing the, if it's the third leading cause of death, why do we not realize that maybe it shouldn't be legal? Right? Right. I just don't know. I mean, I get that it didn't work very well when we tried to make it illegal, but I'm really confused by it. And So I was on Instagram, and and I'll give credit. I don't know if this person invented this. Probably not because it's got a quote. But Sober Story 2020 had a, a little picture with some words on it, and it's credited to Ed Lattimore. But I love this idea, Billy. Alcohol is the only drug where if you don't do it, people assume you have a problem right that's a fucking incredible <laughs> statement if you yeah. don't drink if you're not willing to go to happy hour with the guys after after work one day or you don't go to the company christmas party because you don't drink and that's what they do there well, why right? yeah what's what's wrong oh, loosen up have a beer too right. it's fine you'll be good yeah. that's an incredible thing how how wondrous are the advertisers for alcohol that they've managed to make it if you don't do it something's right. wrong with you they're brilliant. I need them to fucking advertise for my podcast. Really, like right, yeah. <laughs> they can fucking right. sell anything. And you know, we
0: we see this now, like the the overreaction. I'll call it over the overreach of blaming the substance again. Come with the uh, opioid addiction. They're taking pain pills away from people that actually legitimately need them and should have them. You know, we had a story. um, A family member had a ruptured gallbladder um, and, you know, it ruptured. They had to go and do all this surgery. They had to, you know, clean them all out. Um, After that, he had some infections and stuff. And this is a guy that works in the medical industry. He's a uh, forget the name, the person that reads x-rays if you remember what that's called. X-ray but, technician. Yeah, X-ray technician. <laughs> Man, there's the a, there's a fancier X-rays. name. Yeah, I don't know. There's a fancy name for people, people that read. Radiology. Radiologist. Something. Yeah, something know. like that. Yeah, sure. radi- anyway. Yeah. <laughs> he reads X-rays. So he works in a hospital in the medical field. While he was going through all this, they had given him some pain medication. He was still in a lot of pain and he had to go to them and say, hey, can I get more pain medication? And they said no. Mm. They said, no, you can't have any more are we can't give you any more now. So here is a professional person in the medical field who's suffering right. through, a you know, a horrible experience. And they're telling them, no, you have to lay here in pain um, because we have what I believe is a social problem, not a, right. you know, substance problem. We have a social problem. Um so you have to suffer as a consequence. I mean it's it's just terrible. And this is coming from the medical profession who you would expect to be the most educated, the most up to date on the science and research between what we know causes addiction between the links between the actual substance, you know, substances of dependence and addiction. You know, it's it's incredible.
1: It is. And so to kind of bring this idea to a close, I guess really what uh, we're hoping for, and then definitely at least what I'm hoping for, I don't want to speak for Billy too much because we disagree a lot. Um, it's just that if you have an opinion about, you know, MATs or, or, or anything really complete abstinence as the only path to recovery, maybe we can just take a little softer stance on it, right? Maybe it's uh, okay. Abstinence is a great way to recovery, Um And and there's some other ways out there that that really don't take away from abstinence, right? Like if people find recovery in MATs, that doesn't take away from abstinence-based recovery. In fact, that makes somebody who has found abstinence-based recovery able to feel that much more special about what they are doing, right? That's really powerful that they're doing that. And I don't think that allowing people in MATs to also be considered on a recovery path takes away from that. I think it makes it even more special personally.
0: Yeah. And I think that sometimes we need to look at, you know, what are our goals? What, what do we want for other suffering addicts? I mean, obviously, again, abstinence can be the main goal at the end, if that's the way you want to look at it, the, the top goal. But if we set some lower goals of just less suffering um, and trying to help people reach a place where they can get stable and in a healthy environment with mental health counseling or addiction counseling, and then build towards abstinence. You know, it doesn't have to be a immediate uh, thing that we do right away.
1: Yeah. And so we, we'd love to get your thoughts. Uh, we love everybody's input. I think this conversation gets better. The more input we get, uh, like I said earlier, we're on Instagram now, find us there, Twitter, um, Tell people about the podcast who listen to podcasts that you think might be interested in, you know, participating in the conversation. We'd love to hear your views. You can email us. You can leave a voice message for us. Like all of these things exist. And and we literally really do want your input. We might mention it and talk about how awful we think it is, but we do want it at least to to have concepts and ideas. Uh, So with that being said, uh, everybody have a good week. That wraps up this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your preferred platform. If you have ideas for topics you'd like us to talk about or just want to add an opinion, contact us through Anchor, email us at of at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at recoverysortof.